When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, midweek editions here at Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Hope you're doing all right. Numbers to get in. We'll dive into some returning production for Nebraska football on the lines of scrimmage. Husker Hoops tip off in about an hour and a half as they get ready for Michigan, the Chrysler Center. Once donned with the Fab Five gear, that's been down for a long time, but Nebraska's yet to win in Ann Arbor. I about said East Lansing would have been slapped by uh, some Michigan friends. So, yeah. yeah. come on. We all remember the Tram Petaway game. They won at Michigan State. At Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. You, yeah, you better was, not say was, East Lansing. It was my birthday. That, that Tram Petaway game was the stuff of legend. Him, him and Walt. Yeah, that was uh, I, I think, Walt Pitchford. I both think, the, yeah, I think Petaway put up. 30 and Pitchford put up 20, something like that. Yeah, they were just killing Sparty that day. And then Top I, 10 Sparty. And then Petaway put the dagger in with like two minutes left, and the Izone just like all they their all, shoulders they, they, dropped. They, they deflated. Yeah. There was weeping. They they left early. And then you followed it up about five weeks later with No Sit Sunday. Yeah. That was glorious. Nine years ago. <laughs> Just to make you feel old, but we'll get into a little Husker basketball as well. Some Nebraska baseball on our mind. Uh, Husker baseball will bolt with the media today. We'll spend some time with Mike Babcock in about 20 minutes on Husker baseball. Uh, Mike Schuhart back with us from Wilderness Ridge, the Waste Management Open. Do you got buddies going down? Uh, I have friends that are there that live in Phoenix that are going. So they're going. They don't have to travel. They just make their way to the... Largest outdoor cocktail party, period, exclamation point. Well, then we also have uh, our friend Anna from uh, from Herdat Sports. She's down in Phoenix this weekend doing coverage of both the Waste Management Open and the Super Bowl. Really? She doesn't have tickets. Don't, don't worry. She's just going to no, be standing but, outside. But, but that's cool. I didn't know he could pitch that and get a uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Note to sell for next year. Good for her. Yeah. That's awesome, so man. You can follow along with her. Anna Bellinghausen. Is where yeah, you can find do it. so. Heard at Sports, for yeah. sure. At Heard at Sports on uh, Twitter and TikTok is where sure. you can get updates from her. So, yeah, she's down there. But um, our old buddy Jaybird is down there. Uh, him and some buddies rented a house. They're en route as we speak. And they got a deal about a year ago, it sounds like, for this whole week. They're not going to the Super Bowl, but they... Uh, they got the hookup. It's pretty cool. So, uh, Shuey with us in about 30 minutes, and then Evan Bland in the 5 o'clock hour. You can find us on our socials, ESPN Lincoln Facebook and ESPN Lincoln Twitter. You can also watch the show 
uh, this way with the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and give us a follow on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Catch us on the way home, 4 to 6. Catch Damon and Andrew in the morning, 7 to 9 weekdays on ESPN Lincoln and Omaha's ESPN 590. So uh, that's uh, what's set for you. Not optimistic for Nebraska basketball tonight. Uh, Spread right now is at minus 11. Uh, You've got a lot of weapons for, you know, if you talk to folks around the Big Ten, Michigan's supposed to be one of those teams that are anywhere from four through six. In a good year, they're top three. In a vintage, not NCAA, we're going to take your accolades away year, they're one. Uh, They've been, when Beeline was there, I mean, they went to the NCAA championship game two times in four years, and they weren't a one seed, but they were very good with Wagner and company. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they were... They were really pretty talented. They are similar with uh, talent level. Hunter Dickinson's a beast. He's 7'1", 260. Great around the rim. Very patient to find shooters. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he's a shade under 40% from three-point land. But Nebraska, they've had their moments uh, when we think of Edie and how they defended him here in Lincoln. Nebraska knows how to take on bigs uh, in the league Uh, What type of offense and ball care are you going to get if you're Nebraska basketball tonight? We'll hear a little bit more from Fred coming up on that. But your key principles for Nebraska basketball moving forward, uh, transition D, rebounding. When Fred talks rebounding, it's a lot like hearing Coach McBride talking about stopping the run. All right? I mean, that's what I equate it to if we're going to cross sports for a moment and, you know, take care of the basketball. Nebraska – Uh, coming off, feeling great about what they did against Penn State as far as how efficient they were, the way they answered runs, and the way they played defensively. Um, I'm not sure that they can get it done, quite frankly, because I don't know who the hero is going to be tonight. I think you'll get steady play from Walker if he stays out of foul trouble. I think you'll get steady play from Sam uh, Greasel. But who's going to be... That third guy. Who's going to be, I mean, is it going to take like Kisei going off for 30 again? What's his encore like, right? Does he stay hot or does he come in thinking he's hot? And is it a nightmare of efficiency where he's just forcing shots, thinking he's got the hot end? I don't know. I mean, I would like to think they'll play within the offense and share the ball. Is this a game tonight for Jamarcus Lawrence to kind of continue his ascension? Could he give you... Uh, double digits or or teen double digits, right? Can he maybe uh, find a bit of a spark? What do you get from from Hoiberg? He's been a nice spark, too, for the Nebraska basketball team. And does Wiltshire go off? Guy's got the ability. He's got the talent. Well, that's Is this the, that's the, the Wiltshire thing. game? I mean, he had a great game against Indiana, but it was empty calories. You were getting drilled. And that, that's, that's the thing with Wiltshire is it feels like you're ready for him to have that performance where he checks in, you know, he's got a confident looking stroke and then he bricks his first shot. And then he never quite looks like what you expected him to look like whenever you're coming into this season. Like, I'm not sure if it's a confidence thing with him. Just one of those things where the shots weren't falling early in the season. He's got his own head. It's a frustration, frustration, but you just wonder when's going to be that night, whenever the first look drops and the second look drops. And now CJ Wilcher's on a tear. Cause I know it's going to happen. One of these games to close the season, one of these games, I can almost guarantee it. And if I'm wrong, I'll burn this tape but regardless I, there's going to be that one game where cj wilcher gets a couple looks 
to fall early in the game. And he's going to look just like that C.J. Wilch that you were expecting early in the year where he's bringing effort, intensity. You know, he, he's shooting 40 to 50% from three in the game when he goes and drops 25 points. It's bound to happen at least one of the games this year. It's just a question of when is he going to have that game where he can get a shot or two to drop early. And, and could it be tonight? Maybe. But based on what we've seen from C.J. Wilch so far this year, it's just... It seems further and further from possibility, but there's just that feeling in the back of my mind that he's got it in his locker to do it at least once this season. And if he can break that 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 poor shooting streak, just get that one game to build some confidence, you wonder what he can do with it. Well, he'll he'll come in and hit a couple of tough shots and then miss miss the wide open ones. And and he's going to run similar offense to Kisei where he's doing a lot of back cuts. I mean, I can't tell you how many... 50-50 shots at the rim go the wrong way for him, or he just doesn't catch it cleanly underneath that he gets almost panicky where he doesn't get it cleanly and they don't finish at the rim. So, quick thought on Nebraska basketball. Let's get to Nebraska football as uh, winter conditioning continues. And offensive line is going to be so, so vital. Good uh, story in the World Herald today with just what Nebraska was. And, and you saw it as a Nebraska fan, that inconsistency. You saw uh, injury. You saw mixed and matched lineups due to injury. Uh, you had six different starting rotations, and you played 12 games. So you didn't have a lot of continuity at the time. And you had guys taking one for the team. You had Turner, Cor- Turner Corcoran uh, playing a lot of tackle because Teddy went down. Uh, when I think Turner was slated to be at a guard last year. So where do you go from a offensive line that was second worst, according to Pro Football Focus, in the Big Ten? Second worst when it came to grading in run blocking. Second worst when it came to grading in pass blocking. I will say this. They got better as the year went on, pass blocking. Um, I know they didn't score a lot of points against Michigan, but it could have been a heck of a lot worse. I know there was plenty of time for Nebraska to go downtown to Palmer, uh, specifically against Iowa. Nebraska had plenty of time in that ball game. So Nebraska was kind of a walking wounded. Elijah, what the reality is, you can only go one direction from where you're up. Well, you can theoretically go another direction, go from second worst to worst. I don't think that happens. How far do they climb this year? And, and you have almost 65% of snaps taken last year back in the room. You don't have Hickson anymore. You don't have Bando anymore but you've got guys in there that can compete and and fill that opening specifically with scott at center uh that's not a bad option you have guys who have started more than just a a, a cup of coffee in the big 10 you have five spots on the line and a boatload of guys who have starting experience ben hart piper corker and nuri big teddy uh henry o hunter anthony uh, all those guys are fighting for, for five spots. Scott, of course, a newcomer. What's Jacob Hood's availability? Is he a project or is he a guy that swings at a tackle spot that you rotate in? Uh, back when Nebraska had a, kind of a, a more vintage line, uh, I mean, you had Quali, you had Searles, and then you had uh, H-Rod 
you had a really good rotation of three tackles there on top of how solid your interior was. You were also running for 250 a game and had a really good play-action game. I like what Nebraska has back, and I like the fact they've got the same offensive line coach as a second year in a row in Riola that can get them better. And you've got a lot of eyeballs on this football team that have offensive line expertise, beginning with your head football coach. So I do buy the quote, we're going to uh, have a good line this year from Matt Rule. Uh, he's not, and he said it repeatedly, podcast, radio, wherever you hear him, that he's not really down on the offensive line. I don't think Raiola's down on the offensive line. And how harsh of a grader are you with their run game? We know that some of the backs tried to do things on their own. There wasn't a lot of trust in a hole being open. Okay, That said, you didn't emphasize the run. It was an afterthought with Coach Whip in the offense. You didn't really have much quarterback run and said unless it was inside the five, that's where Casey would keep it. But it wasn't between the 20s, so you didn't have much variation in the run game. It was a single back, let's hand it off between the tackles and see what uh, what uh, AG can do. And AG's like, dude, there's nothing there. I'm going to bounce this thing. And that didn't work out all the time. Well, I'll just say I was one of the, the earlier doom and gloom people on the offensive line last year around it wouldn't it wasn't this early in the year last year but probably just following the spring game, i was one of the first people who said i'm i'm worried about this offensive line and i think that this offense will go as far as the offensive line can take them and the offensive line really couldn't take the offense that far last year casey thompson and trey palmer did what they could offensively but the offensive line was was hamstringing the offense and as it stands right now i still don't think that that the offensive line is anything but the worst link on the offense next year. That's not what you want your offense to be, but I will say I am higher on this offensive line right now than I was a year ago today. Because of the options? Because of the options. There's more depth, and that's what I think is going to be a great way to judge, and it may sound counterintuitive, but I think look at the second string guys in the offensive line to judge the starters, if you follow what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. If you're getting guys like Majacek and Gatula in that two-deep, the warning bells are going to start going off for me. It's that's a big a problem. problem. And that's kind of what I feel like we're looking at last year where there's there's guys in that that, that two deep that you go, well, these guys are unproven. Why, why are they in the two deep with Hunter Anthony? It's no discredit to Hunter Anthony. I think people were high on Hunter Anthony coming out of Oklahoma State, but he wasn't a guy who was starting for that Oklahoma State team. He was getting spot minutes. Then whenever he steps in on short notice into this Husker offensive line, and now he's on the two deep and fighting for a starting spot, I think my warning bells were going off whenever you compare him to the guys that he was fighting against. A high four-star in Ben Hart, a high four-star in Corcoran, a high four-star in, in, in Prohaska. Teddy, or uh, excuse me, Hunter Anthony's coming in and, and competing with this, these guys, and he might be getting a starting spot. And then you look at Kevin Williams, too. I think he was a really, really good player at Northern Colorado, and he's a good depth piece to have. But whenever you're talking about him being your starting left guard now that Nuri's out last year, you're going, okay, what, what's what's going on? So I think look at the backups. And if there's guys like Corcoran, Prohaska, like, like these guys that were starters last year, if you see those guys in the two deep, I think it means very, very good things for this offensive line. It means there's competition. Um, but also... Is there experience in that in that that two deep? Simply because once you get to October and November in the Big Ten, you're not going to have that same starting five. It's it's not going to be a case of Nebraska, whichever starting five they trot out with week one against Minnesota is not going to be the same starting five they, they finished the year with. You can mark my words on that. That's just how the Big Ten goes. You're going to be mixing and matching. So with the offensive line, it's less those five starters and more. What is those those ten guys in the two deep? What what are they as a whole? It's going to be a much better way to judge this offensive line just based on how rugged and tough the Big Ten is. Can you find me eight? Can you find sure. me a swing tackle? Can you find me a swing guard? Can you find me a backup center? Sure. 
right? That's that's kind of my, my bare minimum here. And if the offensive line looks like a healthy Teddy left tackle, we've seen four or five games from the poor kid. And what we've seen, we've liked, right? Even at a, even at a young age, at left guard, do you, does, does Nuri win that spot, or do you, or do you keep Corker in there? Uh, you you put Scott in at center. Do you move Nuri to to right guard? Well, but based on what I saw two years ago, I think Nuri's got a chance of being the best guy in this offensive line next year. If he made the strides that you think he could have in a year of not playing, not through the grind of the Big Ten, I think he could be a guy that's your 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 the rock on the offensive line. Well, I'm saying I think I I would like to see a full season of Corker and settling in at one spot, not flipping from guard to tackle or from left tackle to right tackle. And if if Ben Hart can't can't lock that spot down do you have do you have turner at right tackle where he's at least performed better but he could be a a nails guard for you they have options it'll be interesting mike babcock's next another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. We'll talk uh, waste management open. Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Gulf. About 20 minutes, uh, well, hold on, 15 minutes away. We say hi to Mike Babcock from HaleVarsity.com and a magazine at MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers, uh, sometime you're going to have to show us your collection of Grateful Dead figurines. Uh, and I sent you that tweet to uh, of Bill Walton getting his party on yeah. in his Grateful Dead shed. Uh, do you have a dead shed out back? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I've only got a couple of uh, Jerry Garcia figures. I <laughs> they're pretty old, actually. <laughs> Those are sweet, though. I mean, the the, the Walton he was uh, he was ready to go, man. Getting ready for uh, the Conference of Champions coverage, of course, this weekend. But can I kind of say a, a dead shed sounds way too Silence of the Lambs for me? No, no. I mean, if you're going to go anywhere weird, you got to go Dexter. He had a shed at one point, okay. I think, in season three. Sure. But no, Dead Shed, I mean, a place you can go play your music and relax, uh, do your thing. So, Babbers, uh, we're talking football here, returning production. We are focusing on uh, one of our favorite topics, the offensive line. Do you feel about some of the names that are back? Springs a a bit away. I get that part of it. I I understand that the, the stats aren't kind to Nebraska, but man, um, if they get coached up and, and hit their ceiling, could you could have a good offensive line. That's Matt Rule's plan anyway. Yeah, well, as you guys indicated, um, emphasized the coach is back, the offensive line coach is back on Riley. I think that's positive. I think they've brought in enough guys. Oh, you guys just turned into circles there for a minute, but uh, – um, See the dead shed. <laughs> <laughs> I look better as a circle. We got to do that. You're good. Um, You're good. But you know, I think with the coach back and and the guys that are returning, plus the guys that they're bringing in, what I like about it is the competition. You know, there's going to be competition. That's going to make you better. 
And, and I agree with you, Smitty, that what you said, it's a tradition going back to the Osborne era that you need to find at least a third tackle, somebody that can play on either side. You need to find at least a third guard, somebody that can play on either side. And you need to get those guys have an opportunity to get into games in situations where it matters. They don't just sit on the sideline and watch. They have to be in the game at a point where it matters. So you rotate those guys in. Typically, you don't rotate the center unless there's a, an injury problem or whatever. But the tackle and guard thing is, I think, is important. And again, I think it has to be emphasized that they've got to get in games when it matters, those backup guys, so that it essentially feels like you've got at least, at minimum, seven offensive linemen that are ready to go that are prepared. And I think the competition in the spring will give you an opportunity to have that with guys coming back. Teddy, for example, if he can stay healthy, um, he can develop. He's still got room to develop, obviously. He's got the size to play in the Big Ten, obviously. Neely. Um, need to keep him healthy. I think he's got an opportunity to to be a, a key figure in that offensive line if he can stay healthy. But again, it's the competition. It's the guys that are coming in, dealing with the guys that are returning, and what do they produce in that competition. Mike, I think as it stands right now, it's fair to say that this offensive line is probably the weak link of this football team. Despite We haven't seen these guys in the field. We haven't seen what this coaching staff has done with them. But I think as it stands right now, that's that's a pretty reasonable thing to say. Would you, would you agree with that? And would you say the question right now is how weak is that link? Um, I, I, I wouldn't use the word weak. I would use the word uh, – question there's more question about the offensive line than there probably is in other areas um I, you know i don't want to say uh weak link because i don't think i think they have the potential to be decent at least if if, if not pretty good uh, begin what we've said and what you guys have been talking about um so i wouldn't use the word weak but it's probably the one question area um pr- maybe on either side of the ball um where you have to have some answers, and that's going to come hopefully in the spring. You're going to see some of that. And I, I guess what I mean by weak link is just the fact that if I was an opposing defensive coordinator in the Big Ten or an opposing head coach, if I was watching Nebraska's game film from last year, my game plan would be find a way to, to overwhelm that offensive line. That, that's the area of the team that you're going to test first in your game plan as you prepare for this Husker team. That, that's, that's where I was coming from. Yeah, no, and, and I agree, and, and, and that's good too because the offensive line this year is not going to on film from last year uh, for the most part because of injuries and because of guys that are no longer here and guys that are coming in. Mike, get a switch gears. Uh, Coach Bolt met with the media today. Husker baseball, plenty of expectations a year ago at this time. Uh, They did not live up to those. Probably some chemistry issues, injury issues as well, and you've got a retooled roster. What's your take on Big Red Baseball here as things get going the 17th? Well, I have a lot of respect for Will Bold as a coach. You know, he's a, he's a, I, I go back to that gritty beats pretty uh, kind of mantra, and that's very uh, uh, characteristic of, of the way they do things. Um, so I think that there's reason for optimism. I think they brought in some good guys. I, I'm really interested in, in uh, seeing uh, Caleb Clark pitch, the guy from uh, Ontario, Canada, 
um, because as a freshman, uh, Will Bolt really talked him up today, and it sounds like he has tremendous potential. So, um, you know, there's a that, that speaks a lot. I think if you're if the head coach in a preseason uh, news conference starts talking about a freshman pitcher, um, and uh, uh, he's one of the guys that he talked most about, actually, um, I think that that speaks well for you. Um, you seem to indicate that they've got. Uh, maybe uh, three starters in mind, and they're maybe looking for fourth. That first series that they play four games, he said uh, they had probably three pitching spots for starters set up. It's great for a guy like Shea Shanneman to come back and do take that attitude of whatever you need me. You know, if you need me as a reliever, that's what I'll do kind of thing. Uh, Efrain Cervantes elected a captain. There's a guy that it, whatever you wherever you need me, you know, I'll play in the infield, I'll do whatever it takes. That kind of attitude fits into the bolt plan, I think. And uh, again, I think there's reason for optimism because of the guys that have come in, if they can if they can fit in with the guys that are coming back, guys like Max Anderson, uh, uh, Griffin Ebert, um, those kind of guys, if, if you can mesh, that's the thing, I guess. Uh, if you've got a lot of new guys or you've got guys that are gonna play uh, new roles in the situation, how do they fit? And to me, that's the big question. But I, again, I have a lot of respect for Will Bolt and his staff, what they're going to do and what they're going to demand of players. And uh, I think the players will respond to that. Mike Babcock's with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, as you watch the first few weekends of the season for Husker baseball, what are you going to be watching for to gauge how good this team can be as the year goes on? I think that starting pitch thing is 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 big um if you can do that and and again health you know a guy like uh, kyle perry you know can he stay healthy um that that's the thing for me i it, it's probably the thing for for anybody that looked at pretty much at any team is what what does your pitching looks like you know do you have a couple three starters that you can count on and do you have guys that can come in from the bullpen and get the job done when necessary and i think nebraska has the pieces if they can fit that together, I think that they're in a pretty good position there. Um, and, you know, believe. You know, you got to believe in yourself. That's the thing. Babbers, who's going to be the uh, the Tomanaga tonight against Michigan? Who's going to give Fred some uh, career-high numbers? And you can say Kisei. Yeah, he's not off the board. <laughs> I was going to say Tomanaga um, in response to your question, who's going to be the Tomanaga um, but with Nebraska basketball, we see it seems to change from game to game. You know, one of the, one of the players that uh, you know, I, Sam Hoiberg has really stepped up. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he is very aggressive uh, defensively. He really hustles. He works hard on defense. Uh, he moves, and when Nebraska moves the ball a little bit, I think that's offensively. I think that's when they're most effective. And uh, but uh, yeah, Tomanaga. Uh, I'd like to see him follow up with something. You guys also mentioned C.J. Wilcher earlier. You know, early in the season, uh, C.J. would take a three-point shot, and you felt pretty good about the situation. And then he's gone through a slump here. He, ha- he really hasn't played to the same level that he did early in the season. I think at some point he could have a breakout. Uh, he could have a breakout game because he's he has the talent, the ability to do it, but he just hasn't been getting it done here lately. Uh, to the degree that hit to the standard that he set, his season high I think is eighteen against Indiana, but you were 
always 11 to 13 down, right? Or you'd maybe push it to under 10, but you really never got over the hump there. But, you know, it's just kind of a mixed bag with Nebraska. I don't think Michigan's invincible by any means. They're just uh, kind of sleepwalking uh, one minute. They're really good on a, on a on a given night against a big-name opponent, and sometimes they're just out to lunch. But talent-wise, they have uh, enough talent to drill most teams in the league. They just haven't put it together. Babbers got about 90 seconds here. Let's talk Super Bowl 57. And uh, what, are you, what are you looking forward to? Are you going to be breaking out a Sioux jersey? Um, no, I'm going to be uh... – I'm going to be impartial. I'm not going to root for one side or the other. I'm just going to look for a, a good game. You know, I hope it's a competitive game. I think that has the potential to be that uh, because I think these are probably the two teams that belong in this game. And uh, and so uh, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to pick one side or the other. Although um, you got uh, Big Sue and you got uh, Jack Stoll mm-hmm. and uh, Cameron Jurgens and. Uh, who am I forgetting on KC? You got, got DiCaprio uh, Boodle. Got yeah, Boodle, that's right. So you got some Husker uh, influence there, a little more on the Philadelphia side, but Kansas City's a little closer to us. So, um, And Patrick Mahomes is the definition of pretty. <laughs> He'll yeah. do whatever it takes to get the job done. Um, but uh, Philadelphia has to be able to stop Chris Jones. Good call. That's for sure. No, they're, uh, the, the lines of scrimmage look to be – uh, favored for the Philly D line and, and Philly O line, but you know Chris Jones has been a man on a mission this postseason. Babbers, real quick, what do you got coming up with Hale Varsity, bud? Well, the magazines uh, we're getting ready for the magazine uh, next week. I think next midweek, and uh, we've got some uh, some good stuff. I'm not going to say what it is, but um, we're starting to get the copy in there and and. Uh, it's going to be uh, – I just read a – actually, I just edited a thing that uh, Brady Oltman's did about the uh, all the newcomers coming okay. in here, you know, um, which to me is interesting because I can't keep up with the guy. 39 newcomers coming in on the football team. Um, so that kind of helped me uh, get, get coordinated a little bit uh, by position. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, – uh, I think we've got a uh, – a softball story um, coming in, and uh, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Babbers, thanks for the time today, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for, thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. Evan Bland going to spend time with us here in about 20 minutes. Husker Baseball will preview this uh, upcoming season. More thoughts on Nebraska-Michigan. Football on our mind, of course, with spring around the quarter. It is going to be a pate down 
at, uh, at Phoenix, the Waste Management Open. We welcome in Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, uh, let's, uh, let's put it down next year. Let's just roadie down to Phoenix and, and set up shop. Are you down? Oh, man. You know what kind of a zoo that place is going to be? Oh. oh, I can't wait. My I, favorite kind of I, zoo. I, I thrive in zoos. <laughs> <laughs> you got the Super Bowl. You got the waste management. Man, that place is popping right now. Well, you know what? I'd probably head up to the Henry Dolly Zoo some more if there were beer showers every single day. <laughs> I can arrange yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you showered up, Elijah. Shuey, how you been? It's been a couple of weeks. What have you been doing? Give us the lowdown. I've been good. We're going to open our golf course this weekend. How about that? That is awesome. So, as long as the weather holds, like they said, so people are excited about that. We opened our outdoor driving range as long as our, along with our academy, so that's been going crazy, keeping us very busy. And then we have our soft opening for our new members uh, area called the Timbers. So that's tomorrow. Super excited about that. Having people finally have an opportunity to see it, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. I'll take a picture and send it to you. <laughs> that's, that's I'm going to be like Belushi in a ladder. I'm going to I'm going to find my way in there. <laughs> that, was, that was cold blooded from oh, Schumer. He's like, you're never getting in there. Until at least I'll send you a picture. <laughs> Schmidt, we may let you drink a whiskey on the uh, on the deck, <laughs> but don't go in that door. <laughs> that's pretty good. You send me a pic, Shuey. I will cherish it until I break the piggy bank. Uh, someday. Uh, actually, I'm just going to sweet talk mama, uh, get her into golf. There you go. So waste management open. Listen, you've had good showing by, by Justin Thomas. Uh, Morikawa had a, has had a great start to 2023. Finau knocked on the door in 2020. I mean, you still got Rory. You still got Day. Handicap this thing for me. Who do you like, and and what does the the course? What are the what's the biggest challenge with with the course, and also the the energy, the vibe you were you were touching on to start out with. How how can that really feed into a player's game? Well, that's going to be something that you know. So many young guys this year that have played so well. But this is a different environment when you step go through the tunnel to get on to 16. And what happened last year, it's going to be twice that this year. They kind of set the stage for what can happen there. Man, it's going to be crazy. So <laughs> better have uh, better have a strong mental capability when you walk in there because as much as they cheer, they also boo you. So it's like most young guys will have a little trouble with that. So the guys that have been around that really kind of relish it, they have seen it, you know, like a Rory and uh, Justin Rose, who, you know, first the tournament out basically played awesome. But you got Sam Ryder, Tyler Williamson. You got a bunch of young guys that are, are really playing well this year. So I, I think you're going to start seeing a lot of new names come up there, the youth movement, you know, like – I mean, Tyler Williamson, nobody probably even heard of him, but he's finished in the top 10 like every tournament this year. So, pretty good. Sam Ryder, you know. But you can tell Sam Ryder at Torrey was coming down the stretch. He got a little nervous, and you could see a few stray word shots. Um, 
So Max Homa will all be tough. You know, anytime you get the, another win, that builds your confidence. He likes those environments. Mike, in, in your opinion, the best way to win over a, a crowd such as this, you know, raucous, a little bit liquored up. If you're a golfer, <laughs> the best way to win over the crowd is how? Interact with them. Act, act almost as crazy as they are. You know, it's kind of like, I think back to the Ryder Cup when they came out of the tunnel, everybody was around the first tee, and they started throwing, like, T-shirts and towels up into the crowd. So if you interact with them, man, they love you to death. And do you think it's important to, to win over the crowd in a weekend like this? Oh, yeah, no question. Chili, who did you fist bump or chest bump or headbutt in your day? Or shotgun a beer with. Yes. <laughs> uh, there was a little guy at the L.A. Open. There really? was a little guy that was sitting behind the green. And I happened to hit it over the green, up on the hill. And he had to kind of back up and move right behind me so I could hit my shot. And I hit my shot, and I hold it. And he came running at me, jumped on me. So that was my man. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. It was pretty fun. So my other one, here's my other one. This guy might remember this. Well, it's been a long time ago. So they used to play, um, it's now the Corn Ferry Tournament. They used to play it up at Champions. Mm-hmm. And I was playing in the Celebrity um, Scramble on Wednesday. Well, my partner's Eric Strickland. Sure. So we make it to the last hole. I think it's me and Strick playing Piakowski, and I can't remember who the other guy was. But I make this putt in the last hole to win the shootout. He comes running at me and gives me a little chest bump, knock me flat on my butt. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like that guy was pretty strong and pretty solid. That sounds like Strick. For sure, and uh, well, good man. So you you, you had a win up up there uh, with Corn Ferry. That's big. Uh, your 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 dude in L.A. is awesome. I love that story. Now pick a winner for the kids. Who's gonna get it done here, down in Phoenix? I like J.T. I always like J.T. I mean, he he's a he loves the crowds. He loves those environments. He relishes in that, so um, I think I think he'll be right there. I like him a lot, and I like Max Homna too. Okay, now Mike, give us a winner in the Super Bowl Sunday. It's a big weekend for Phoenix with the Waste Management Open and the Super Bowl all in one weekend. Flights are crazy, hotels are crazy. I hear downtown Phoenix is already crazy. So give me your winner for the Super Bowl on Sunday. I, I love the Chiefs because of Mahomes, but I got to pick Philadelphia. I think they're too good, top to bottom. Any uh, interesting Sioux golf stories you can share? No, I'm not. I don't. I think he was out here one time playing, and I never really got to interact with him much. So there's the legend of Bo Pelini golf stories where there may have been a green or two <clears throat> harmed. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> one or two clubs went airborne. <laughs> well, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> <laughs> if you miss a shot and you have an episode, you just got to go to the sand trap and unleash the fury there. Exactly. That's that's it. So, sometimes you just got to let it go. You can't have it pinned up and your head will explode. You ever let out a shriek? like, Or did you just oh. go into the woods like Shooter McGavin and screamed? 
So when I was growing up as a kid, I never could hit my driver very well, but I had this forward, man. I could just cream. I loved it. <laughs> and then I would break it like every other week. Oh, no. So finally my dad said, that's it. I said, you break it again? You got to learn how to fix them. So I learned how to do club repair really fast. So I learned how to <laughs> I love that. Shuey, we'll check in next week, but thanks for a few minutes. You bet. Thanks for having me. Everybody stay safe. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour can always get the show podcast form, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play uh, with Hale Varsity Radio. Subscribe, give us a rating, appreciate the feedback. You can uh, check out the segments you want to hear. If you want to just catch with Shuey, go for it and hear from Babbers, Mike Babcock, do so. Opening segment rant, go for it there. Or the full show, easy to download and take with you. The video version is uh, there for you every evening and beyond the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Let's hear a little bit from Fred Hoiberg here as he's got to defend uh, Hunter Dickinson. Really good big post down low for Michigan. Good three-point distance as well. And Nebraska's had their problems with Michigan bigs for uh, quite a while. Can it change tonight? Here's Fred. Yeah, I think the thing where Hunter's game has really evolved is his perimeter game and his is he gets sees a lot of different coverages some teams play him one-on-one um, most teams have to double <clears throat> just to uh to have a, a fighting chance down there against him but he's a really good passer and he does a great job with the little retreat dribble they dive uh they're four man and they have great spacing on the backside. so he's obviously one of the toughest challenges that you have and putting a game plan in just to try to throw different things at him where he's not seeing the same coverage for 40 minutes is very important and you know there's gonna be an important game blaze will have to uh, be a factor in this game with his body he was available last game we just felt with penn state and the way they played going small that we were better off with Wilhelm as the backup at the five. But Blaze is going to have to be ready to go out there and give us significant minutes. Um, you know, going to have to do a good job with our hands, uh, get good hand pressure. If not, he's going to pick us apart in the weak side where they have really good shooting uh, over there. So, you know, good opportunity to go on the road. we got to come out with the same mentality we did against Penn State. Have to come out with some type of edge. Uh, they're very good in that building. Um, uh, Jet Howard is one of the most impressive freshmen that, that I've seen. And the way he scores at a three-level score with his size uh, makes it very tough. we got to get back in transition, and we have to take care of the glass. They're really good crashing. And then, uh, you know, for us, taking care of the basketball, I think you saw in the last game 17 assists, seven turnovers was a formula for winning. But if, if we turn it over, you don't have much of a chance on the road. You know, Nebraska has looked better at home and on the road with their starts. They've been competitive. They played Illinois really tough, and it kind of slipped away at the end there. They got back against Penn State. The February schedule's nice. We'll be down at Rosie's February 28th ahead of Michigan State, Nebraska. So excited about that. Uh, Invite you down to Rosie's here towards the uh, end of the month. But, you know, I like Nebraska's mindset right now. They know what they got to do. They don't really seem to get discouraged. They've had all sorts of adversity, and they keep uh, throwing punches. Michigan's one of those teams. You talk to folks around college basketball, 
and just in the Big Ten, you know, Michigan shouldn't be on the wrong side of the bubble with their talent. There's some real questions and doubt right now about Jawan Howard uh, moving forward. And you don't want to not get to a tournament when you have a talent like Dickinson. You don't want to get not get to a tournament when you have a couple of other double-digit scores around him. You have pros on that team, and your kid, the freshman's been really good. I mean, he's been Big Ten ready. So we'll see if Michigan puts a run together or if Nebraska can add to the misery. Evan Bland joins us, Omaha World Herald, Husker Baseball, and some football thoughts on the way next hour. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2 at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency for all your equipment. Financing needs, go Currency. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland, O-W-H. On Twitter, Evan, some football on our minds. Super Bowl Sunday looms, and oh yeah, Big Red Baseball is a little more than a week away. How are we doing? I mean, you can't beat this time of year. Uh, you know, it, it, college basketball is winding down. Yeah, football's wrapping up. It's it's low 50s today and sunny. Uh, who can complain? Who's your Husker baseball goat? Like, growing up, were you a, an Erstad guy? You're not that old, but uh, Gordon and, and Komane. I remember, I remember Darren going to the buck, watching him. My brother played with Alex, and then Shane was just incredible. So I, I'm pleading the fifth. I love them all. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can date myself a little bit. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I went to Buck Belzer games growing up. And early on, like, you know, they had crowds of just a few hundred. And I remember getting foul balls from Ken Harvey when he would foul off a couple that, that would hit Memorial Stadium. And then they would just sort of land out there, and, and I'd run around and get them as a kid, that sort of thing. I mean, I remember Shane Comine and the, the Hawaii Five O. Uh, you know, walk-up music, I suppose you want to call it, warm-up music that he had, and thinking how cool that was. Um, so, you know, he's up there just from a childhood perspective. I went to Lincoln Southeast. I was a couple years behind Alex Gordon. So I remember him hitting 
you know, whatever it was, 500, 600 as a senior with the Knights and thinking like, man, this, I can't wait to see what this guy does at Nebraska. And, and sure enough, he has, you know, a great career there. So I, I suppose it would be one of those two. Um, you know, I, I think maybe Komine just because it, to, to me, he sort of symbolizes like that, the rise of Nebraska baseball beyond what everyone at the time thought possible. Like you just never thought you would have a guy that dominant who would who would lead you to the College World Series uh, and, and who would do battle with top SEC programs and things like that. So I think just that, that transition from Buck Belcher to Haymarket and, and Komine being a part of that, I'd probably put him up there. But you can't go wrong with any of those guys. I mean, Darren Erst had the number one pick. Uh, Alex Gordon winning college baseball is equivalent of Heisman. Uh, it's a pretty cool deal, and, and all those guys deserve to be honored. That's going to be a, a fun uh, pregame ceremony on March 24th. It will be, and all three of those guys, uh, absolute grinders, uh, similar to, to the Will Bolton mentality. Evan, let's dive into baseball and talk expectations. And you had, I think the, the number was 18 juniors and seniors last year but it just never materialized when it came to closing down games or having consistent offense. But I really do like some of the pieces that are back that did produce last year that have a chance to thrive this year. You know, what's your, what's your uh, outlook here for Nebraska baseball this season? Well, you know, I think the expectation part is interesting to me, Chris, because you ask Will Bolton, the players, and they have sort of their standard – uh, goal every year, which is to host a regional, something that they haven't done since 2008. Uh, I think in a normal uh, circumstance, they would have done that in 2021 uh, without the league only season, but that's sort of what they expect to do that, to contend for the big 10. Uh, you know, I, I look at the big 10 and, and, and how it lines up. I still think Maryland is that team to beat. I mean, they, they were far and away the, the best power team in the conference last year. They hosted a regional they bring back a lot of their major pieces, not the player of the year. Uh, and Chris Aileen, he's, he's in the pros, but a lot of those top contributors return. So I still think Maryland is the team to beat. Um, you know, I think Iowa, maybe along with Maryland, are, are the only teams that maybe have better pitching depth than Nebraska. So I think those uh, you know, are two teams that you'd have to look at toward the top. But I, I see no reason why Nebraska can't do what it's done a, a lot in the last five to seven years, which is – be right in the thick of the Big Ten race down to the wire, uh, you know, to make a, a tournament run in the Big Ten and then play in a regional somewhere. I think that's realistic considering, again, the depth of pitching that they have. I mean, you think about the fact that Nebraska could have three guys who've been Friday night starters uh, coming out of the bullpen this year for them. That's how how strong they look, at least on paper and, and barring injury and everything like that. I think to me, the big question early on is going to be what does the offense look like because in a in an in a era of college baseball where power it has exploded in the last few years nebraska's sort of kind of stayed where it is and it's okay if you do that if you want to hang your hat on speed and and small ball and pressuring the defense and things like that you can win games and win a lot of games doing that um, but nebraska just didn't have 
have that dynamic uh, variety of skill sets last year to do it. And I, I think that was something that played out in a lot of their close losses, especially. So I'll be curious to see, you know, if, if guys like Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson can take that next step. If the fact that the lineup being deeper helps them take that next step and sort of protects them from being pitched around, um, you know, a guy like Casey Burnham in center field, I think has a lot of the, the skill set uh, uh, characteristics that Jackson Hallmark did a couple of years ago in terms of speed and the bunt game. Dylan Carey, they really like at third base. He hit 350 against college pitching, uh, you know, as a, as a guy who was straight out of high school last summer. So there are a lot of pieces that you can point to and say that they're going to be better. Uh, I'll just be really fascinated to see how they piece it together, especially these first three weekends when they're on the road. And, and that's a really big opportunity to sort of set your RPI for the rest of the season. Yeah, Evan, if we go back 365 days, it felt like the the goal of the last season was to take that next step with Husker baseball, host a regional, and then who would have thought, as you said, Maryland would be the team out of the Big Ten that would be hosting a regional. So when you look at this season, is that too lofty of, of aspirations to hope that this Husker baseball team can go and, and host a regional, or should that be what this team is looking for at the end of the season? Well, I mean, it's not impossible. I think you see big big um, progressions in different teams every year. Like a year ago at this time, I thought Rutgers would be, uh, you know, struggling to make the big 10 tournament. And, and, you know, they won 40 some games. They were probably the biggest snub from the NCAA tournament and they were really good. And to me, the, the, if you want to make a case for why Nebraska could host a regional, I think it starts with what the coaches have gone all in on this off season, which was the value of experience. And and that was the area that they really pointed to last year was the, the makeup of their roster was such where they had a lot of seniors, a lot of freshmen, and then there's sort of this gap in the middle. And, you know, the players sort of described the offense as hero ball at times where guys were sort of looking out for their own and, and it was hard to, to support each other and that sort of thing. And so what did they do? I mean, they went out and, and, brought back, first of all, a number of fifth-year guys like Griffin Everett or Kyle Perry or Shea Shanneman, Efri Cervantes, but they also added some experienced guys, too. Charlie Fisher is probably going to get significant time at first base from Southern Miss. Michael Garza from Incarnate Words, a fifth-year guy. You can kind of go down the list and see these guys who are 21, 22, 23, um, and, and then you, you know, I, I just think that that translates really well, especially right now in college baseball, where you're still filtering out the rest of, of, of these guys who went through the COVID year in 2020. So I think that's probably where it starts is, is a team that maybe isn't statistically dominant in one area, but one that, man, when, when the offense isn't going, the pitchers are going to pick them up. And if the pitchers are having a down day and, you know, the offense can score, seven or eight runs and the defense is going to be reliable and they'll be consistent because there's some maturity there. So I think that's what they're banking on. Um, you know, you, you go to a practice and you hear everybody kind of whooping and hollering. Uh, it doesn't feel forced that this team likes each other. And for some reason that, I mean, it, it has staying power. And I think most sports, but especially in baseball, when you're together so often every day competing, there's just a value in, sort of that that camaraderie that they have. And I think that was something that they really put an emphasis on. Uh, and you combine that with talent, and we'll see what that turns into in terms of the record this spring. Evan Bland, a few minutes with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Husker Baseball Thoughts. And you have the reality of chemistry and camaraderie that, that was lacking last year. Who's a, a key or two that, that's going to be that, 
that glue guy for this dugout? Who's going to be the personality or two to set guys straight, but also kind of lead by example with this roster? Does Nebraska have a ready-made guy, or is that somebody that's? Is there somebody or a couple of guys that have grown into the necessary leadership role? Well, I think you start with your captains, and that was something I know Will Bolt says often, and he brought back captains uh, to Nebraska. They hadn't had that uh, as, I think since he had left in the early 2000s when he was a senior captain. And the, the reasoning behind it is you can't assume that somebody will step into that role. You have to be intentional about it and make sure somebody uh, sort of holds up that mantle. And so I think you start with the captains. You know, Kyle Perry comes to mind for me first. And foremost, I mean, you think about how he missed uh, a lot of last the last couple of seasons with Tommy John, uh, recovering from Tommy John surgery, and he would still travel because the, the coaches felt that strongly about his presence in the dugout and around the guys and, and keeping them going. So I think he's, uh, you know, one of those infectious personalities who can uh, have a lot of fun but also gets really serious and competitive when he needs to. Like Griffin Everett's the same kind of way. I, I think he's a little bit more of a quieter steady presence i mean Shay shanneman he's he's 23 he's married he's on you know like he's he's as mature as it gets if, if that's uh the, the standard there so uh and then he fried cervantes comes back he's a, a former juco guy who you know he spoke today uh here at memorial stadium talking about how you know nothing's ever been given to him and and he's always had to earn everything um, but he's a really likable guy uh inviting guy so i think those are probably where you have to start. And then in terms of the newcomers, everybody talks about uh, a couple of the JUCO additions, Blake Mosley and, and Bryce Hughes, a couple of guys who are, are just their own dudes. I mean, they'll show up wearing MLB jerseys or, or they'll blast a playlist or they just like to mix it up and keep things loose. And I think you'll see them get some time on the infield and maybe the outfield as the season goes on. Not necessarily everyday starters, but guys who are you know nonetheless important to – what this team is going to do. And for what it's worth, again, this is another area that coaches have really hammered home in uh, on recruiting to the point to where, you know, they're not just evaluating uh, a guy's skill set, but also how does he carry a conversation? How does he interact with others? Because there's, there's just so much importance on, on intangibles like that in the sport. And it's going to be really fascinating to see uh, again, how, the pieces come together and how that starts to work when the games start coming and, and adversity starts to hit. Evan Blaine's with us here from the Omaha World Herald. And Evan, one last thought here on baseball before we get you uh, in your Super Bowl prediction locked in for Sunday. Drew Christo, uh, he's a guy that came in with a lot of fanfare last season. And I know Will Bolt said a, a couple things at the press today about Drew. What do you think Husker baseball fans can expect from, from Drew Christo in his sophomore season? Yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting. I mean, he he had a, a rough start. If you think back to last year, I think he only pitched like five, gave up three home runs, uh, a lot of hits, had a lot of short outings, and it, it's a little bit jarring, I think, because you think about his recruiting pedigree out of high school. Uh, you know, when he was at Elkhorn, and he could have gone to Stanford, he could have gone to a number of of blue blood college baseball programs, and I, I think there's there was an assumption that he would step right into the starting rotation last year and, and continue that dominance and it didn't happen and so to hear Will Bolt today say that the Drew finished the fall uh, fantastic in fantastic fashion that his live outings this spring have been uh, equally up to par I think it's really encouraging and again 
you talk about the, the pitching depth that Nebraska has, they feel pretty good, I think, about their starting rotation uh, with, with Emmett Olsen, Jason Kaminska, and probably Caleb Clark, the freshman. But, you know, if, if Drew Christo uh, is coming along and is as sharp and as velo is up as they're saying, then suddenly this is a guy who, I mean, he could be a high-leverage bullpen arm on the weekends. You could put him as a midweek starter uh, to give you, you know, five quality innings every Tuesday or Wednesday. I mean, those the value of guys like that uh, can't be understated. And, again, you, you, you combine – that improvement with just his character and, and, and makeup um, and ability, like it's it's really intriguing to see uh, you know what that could be, and I think he'd be one of those X factors when you talk about what the ceiling could be for Nebraska this spring. Evan, Sunday Super Bowl, Philly, Kansas City. Where's your head at? <laughs> I think it'd be a great game. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I'm a Broncos fan, so I, I can't wish the chiefs well too often Um, you know it's just kind of the way the way it is that's why i grew up but uh you know the the husker angle's fun too it would be really interesting to see sue get another title and and cam jurgens and his rookie season uh, you know as the backup center and jake stoll or jack stoll and 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 what he could do um but just in terms of the game itself i'm i'm most excited to watch what kansas city's offense does against philadelphia's defense i mean Everyone around here is familiar with Hassan Reddick now, mm-hmm. played for Matt Rule at Temple, and it's just been a wrecking ball. Um, really curious to see, you know, if Kansas City's O line can hold up and give Mahomes time to operate. In which case, you know, you got to feel good about the Chiefs' Chiefs' chances. Um, but if not, if they can get home, then I think it's going to be reminiscent of that Super Bowl uh, against Tampa Bay for the Chiefs a couple of years ago. So I, ultimately, I think it's going to be a, a game that's down to the wire into the fourth quarter. Uh, but I think Philadelphia wins a close one. Good pick. Good pick. Love that. I, I don't hate your take at all. Just <laughs> as good as Reed and Mahomes are, you've got you've got a front seven that's just a nightmare to deal with, uh, and, and that's been that way all season long, plus the Hurts factor. He's had ice water, man. He, is, he has been able to make plays, and uh, he's got a better roster in Philly. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you, but I will – Keep my prediction saved for Friday. Evan Bland with us here, Omaha World Herald, Hale Varsity Radio. Evan, enjoy the week. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks, guys. See ya. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity. We're presented by Currency. We've spent time on Husker football and the offensive line returning production ranks 39th when it comes to the offense uh, in college football. That's Bill Conley of ESPN. Defense, we got to find uh, 
Some dudes on the defensive line. What's uh, the likeliness of that? Uh, plenty of guys to pick from there. Some returning starters, some new faces. Lige, I want to get into Aaron Rodgers for a moment and his time with Pat McAfee as uh, A-Rod going into a darkness <laughs> retreat for four days to help him see the light for well, his future. That still seems better than last year where he was ayahuasca and... I was going to say, how the hell do you pronounce ayahuasca? It's like, ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, and then what, what kind of cleanses was he doing last year? I, I don't know the cleanse. You need to look that up. I just know that he has a fear of death, so he took ayahuasca to uh, to help deal with that. But he'll know soon after said retreat. Now, I'm not judging. I, I don't care if he goes to a darkness retreat or not or doing psychedelics as long as he's not a danger to himself or others from an OD standpoint or he'll lose his mind, right? So it's a pretty cool opportunity to do some self-reflection in some isolation have you ever thought about doing a a retreat just like going away to cope with a loss like as a sports fan no not really well i mean just like you're so bummed out you just you you totally check out and you go be by yourself see luckily some some folks just watch games by themselves because they can't have people around they're too High strong. This show is my cathartic release after these types of things. You know, okay. I, I get okay. after the Broncos lose on Sunday, I get my five minutes on Monday to complain and moan while you laugh at me, and then we move on. That's that, that's all I need to do. I got to find an NFL team so I can feel or share your pain. We've got friends and colleagues that are diehard Viking fans, Chiefs fans, Aunt Mel's a Packer fan, Mama and Junior love Seattle. I just. You know, once Marino set uh, Snowflake the Dolphin free in Ace Ventura, I kind of quit following Miami. No, see, I envy you. See, my, my roommate Darren is the exact same way. I just watch way. and I love it. My roommate Darren, he's the exact same way, where like he doesn't have an NBA team, he doesn't have an NHL team, MLB, NFL, none of that. It's just, it's Huskers. That's what it is. And he says, you know what, when NFL Sunday rolls around, I'll flip on Sunday ticket or NFL Red Zone and I'll watch, I'll enjoy, I watch for the stars, but I don't have a fan and I'm jealous of that because there have been times, you know, over the past five years especially, where my entire weekend gets ruined in the fall. I wake up on Saturday, I, I do our pregame show, I watch the Husker game, and now it's a, a disappointing postgame show where we have to be sad, and I get to wake up on Sunday with hope in my eyes for the Broncos, <laughs> and then it's crushed yet again. So I, I envy him for that, but I've never once, I shouldn't say never once, 2009, the Texas Big 12 championship game, I did feel like I needed to get away from life for a little bit after that one. That one That's hurt. That's totally fair, because they played so well. Now, Growing up, and my dad was like this, like it was like a, a, a loss in the family in our household when Nebraska lost just because you weren't used to it. Like the, the first big loss, like what the hell happened? I think they lost at UCLA in 88. Aikman was quarterback and it turned into a shootout, right? And I couldn't believe what was going on. What This wasn't supposed to happen. I kind of gotten into the the fandom i was 10 years old now i've switched away and and i i just enjoy covering the action i don't care who wins or loses i don't i don't root it's not fanboy radio uh so but it, it'd be a lot be a lot cooler to cover a winning team yeah i mean just and and i have a lot of my career i've covered a winning team but it's been different levels of success i mean there's been a trip to a, a big 12 championship game the frozen tundra at Arrowhead. Uh, going to Ireland was incredible. 
hitting the road games in Boulder and Minneapolis and, and Iowa City. I mean, that's all fun. And the, the fan and listener interactions, great. Just being set up in the, in the, in the midst of it. It's wonderful. But as far as like a fan, I mean, I, your Texas 09 games right there where you couldn't believe what happened. And there's still games, like even the Wisconsin game this year. That team, that offense came from double digits down to win in the fourth quarter. I mean, that, that might have been the – you can make this argument. This is a, this is a horrible exercise, but it's, it's similar to A-Rod's four days of darkness in some sort of cave where you can go through and just pick the most heartbreaking Frost era losses between the onside and Wisconsin. I know he wasn't coaching here then, but you've had a whole hell of a lot of choices – uh, for Nebraska, even the Hail Mary during Riley. I mean, you've had a, a, a run of excruciating, excruciating losses. For me, I think the Big 12 title games there, we were in uh, some friends' basements, Calvin Klein's. And, I mean, we had too many. I had a couple friends that showed up. And what, you know, it's always interesting when it's not your house and you say, hey, can some of my college buddies that are in town come over? And we end up, you know, breaking beer bottles accidentally because we'd had too many. You get the old stare down because it's not your basement. Oops, where's the mop? I'm sorry. <laughs> Son, you're cut off. <laughs> so I, I remember that. And then, and then of course, the, the Orange Bowl, where Nebraska almost beat Florida State. Remember that, like, super vividly because of how that was a Cinderella season, comparatively speaking. Now, Nebraska was actually pretty good, really good that year. They just hadn't been on that level. Uh, they'd always had a loss or two. So, but there, there are some sports fans that just can't take it anymore and go, go for a walk or go shut themselves in a room. Not anything sinister or dangerous. Just they got to be alone. They got to decompress. What did I just watch? What did I just happen? See, even Hall of Fame MVP quarterbacks. Need some me time. He does it to another level, though. He, but he does it. Did he? Okay, does he thrive on being weird and different? I mean, he's had these phases of, all right, psychedelics, and I'm going to the whole self-imposed hole for four days. Can okay, you get this? Get this. And, the, the, and the, the Pancha Karma cleanse. Can I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to grow my hair out like a like a hippie or biker. Whatever, and that's his thing. What's this cleanse he's doing? The, the Pancha Karma cleanse. He's done it for, I believe, two off seasons now. He hasn't announced if he's doing it the third time, but it's a twelve-day approach, uh, which features five steps: self-induced vomiting. Oh, I, I kind of remember hearing this. Nausea, which is eliminating toxins through the nose, similar to a, a Yeti pot, except instead of water, it's like essential oils. Neti, not Yeti. Well, sorry, yes, Neti pot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it also Didn't in- know they sold those includes uh, enemas, Jesus, and uh, self-induced bloodletting as well in order to detoxify the blood. <laughs> Man, so, so he's he's just he's just losing it from everywhere. That's <laughs> 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 what you're telling me. I'm, I'm pretty sure the only the only hole that that's not covered the epitome there is the of self harm. <laughs> What is he doing? Maybe maybe there's some Husker fans out there. To take that, a, that to take a rusty that. pocket knife and just start jabbing. <laughs> That's, uh, that'd be like 127 hours style. <laughs> My goodness. 
Yeah, no, there. That's another level. I don't think I've, there's ever been a Husker loss that's made me go, yeah. I need, like, you know I what need, I need some sort of spiritual cleanse. You know what? I need an enema. <laughs> <laughs> You've never said that's the key. That's the answer. They'll win against Wisconsin next year if I just get that enema. <laughs> oh, man. I hope not. And if you've gone to great lengths, like I joke with Joe Boo's rum and live chicken and some sort of exercise the demons, whatever. You can joke and have fun with it. There's been superstition. Lucky pair of boxers, socks. Golden thong. Lucky hat, sweatshirt. I mean, you have your lucky Husker shirt and... Many of you have burnt the ones you thought was lucky and you bought new, and that's all right. But no, I mean, I just, is this for attention or is he just that transparent with, uh, with McAfee? Because he just sounds like a flake. He just sounds like an absolute flake, and I'd take him, <laughs> I'd take him in a New York minute on my football team if I'm Vegas. Mm-hmm. Well, or I'm New Orleans. Well, the argument I've been hearing from Green Bay is going to move on from him. But the argument I've hearing from, from some Vegas fans is: Would you rather give up for that draft capital for an aging Aaron Rodgers, or would you use that same draft capital trade up and go get yourself C.J. Stroud in the first round? I'd go get Bryce, but I or, mean, or, I mean that, that's trading up for like the sixth overall pick is a little different from the the first overall. Sure, pick. but if you're going to trade up. I, I love what C.J. Stroud projects. I, I like I like him, too. I think he's good. I think you've got a, two or three really talented quarterbacks in this draft, and then you got some other guys that can turn into good quarterbacks. We'll, we'll get there closer to May with the draft class. But, no, I, I think Rodgers can play. He had a bad thumb. That's part of his deal. He didn't have a receiving core that he was comfortable with, and he wasn't really kind of grinding with those guys in the offseason anyway. But he's... He's still top five. Awesome. I mean, you know, Brady's gone. You still have Burrow. Lamar's probably not, you know, Josh Allen. You've, you've got Russell a, Wilson. Right. Well, you've got, a, <laughs> you've got a good crew. You've got a great core of quarterbacks. You, you just do. But with I would go get Rodgers, and I think he could click because Adams is on that roster. That's his security blanket. You have the tight end. You have the running game. Presumably, they'll do better on the offensive line. I think him and McDaniels could work. Uh, you know, I'm Green Bay. I'm just sick of the hijinks, and this is the second generation of tell me how much you want me because, I mean, you went through it every year with Favre. Is he back? Is he retiring? What's going on? And then Rodgers. I mean, those guys just hate training camp, plain and simple, and it's a shadow of what training camp used to be if you talk to the old NFL vets. We'll hear from – Tom Rathman tomorrow. We'll catch up with Tom Rathman tomorrow, Russ Hochstein tomorrow, uh, Brandon Vogel tomorrow, uh, and then Lars Anderson will join us Friday to talk Jalen Hurts, his relationship with Jalen and that Super Bowl opportunity. But, no, I just – I had to just share a few thoughts here on Aaron Rodgers and the four-day, uh, four-night darkness retreat. <laughs> That sounds good. But this cleanse you're talking about is a whole new level of whatever. And then, I mean, the, the, hallucin- the hallucinogen, say it for me. Hallucinogens? Hallucinogens. Gosh darn it. Sorry about that. Hallucinogens are, it's a whole different thing. I mean, you're in a different space anyway trying to do this meditation deal. Let's dose up. 
and live our worst nightmare for about an 18-hour period. I knew a guy back in high school that thought he he read the coverages better off hallucinogens. Seriously, true story. St- like, not gonna name any names. Nope. He'd show up to practice. Like, he was he was dosed. Should, yeah, really. Thought he saw the coverages better. I well, don't think he lot, did. A lot of lasers. Threw a lot of picks. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. It's time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. A Jock Doc Wednesday with Dr. Robert Duga. Dr. Duga, thanks for a few minutes. Nice to have you on with us here on Hale Varsity. How are you? Yeah, we're doing fine. Thanks for uh, having me in. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend with uh, the Super Bowl and uh, all eyes are on that Kansas City offense, Dr. Duga. And wanted to get your take on, on Patrick Mahomes between when that high ankle sprain happened and how he was able to navigate through the AFC title game. Uh, he had media day today, did Mahomes, and he said he's in a better spot. Uh, he gutted it out, didn't he, uh, in that AFC title game. What are some remnants? What would some concerns be from you medically as he gets ready for Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah, well, those high ankle sprains are typically uh, much more painful for an individual to get back even to walking uh, compared to what he did during the game last week. Um, it says a lot about his athleticism and his desire and his will to compete with pain because you know he was hurting. You could kind of see that. And I think a lot has to be based on Andy Reid adjusting what he asked him to do in that game. Um, From what I remember, the only time he crossed the line of scrimmage was on that last play to get close enough to try and kick that field goal. Mm -hmm where otherwise he got rid of the ball and wasn't going to you know, take a hit, which you know, could have then put him on the sideline for the rest of the ball game. Dr. Robert Duga with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. We're finishing up here on Patrick Mahomes, uh, just uh, an all-clear before Sunday with the Super Bowl. What do you think he's going to need to be able to do against that Philly pass rush? Well, he'll have a, have a couple extra weeks of that intense treatment. You know, that doesn't necessarily heal the ligaments any faster, but it does decrease the stiffness and can diminish the amount of pain he has when he's weight-bearing. If you notice when he would pull up from a throw or those types of things, he'd kind of tiptoe on that leg, and that's frequently what we see in the office with someone with a high ankle sprain They don't want to put their heel down because it hurts them the most when their foot comes up into dorsiflexion, which is bringing it up off of the ground. So he'll likely be taped and or braced and um, move forward with some limited game plan. I'm sure it won't be the Patrick Mahomes we see without an injury, but there's no question he'll get through that game. And just uh, the game plan will be adjusted to try and keep those guys off of him as best as they can. Now, without any inside knowledge here, what type of, of, of recovery are we looking at? Is this injury, uh, is the recovery dating back to the original date it happened against the Bills? Or considering he played a game only a week later, is that now like the amended date of when this quote-unquote happened? Just because of, I mean, we saw the pain that he was in for that AFC title he was game really against, hobbled. against the Bengals. He was hobbled. 
does that slow down the recovery process and make that almost a, a new injury date? Or are we still going back to that Buffalo Bills game as like a quote unquote original injury date in terms of recovery time and how he's going to be feeling for the Super Bowl? I, I don't, uh, from watching the game, I don't recall him truly re-injuring it other than experiencing the soreness that you would feel because of the act- actions he was attempting to perform. But the, the healing process, I doubt, was retarded um, with regards to being slowed down. Uh, however, you know, these, these things frequently are the one of the most limiting type injuries that an NFL player gets. And you can you know, have a regular ankle sprain, feel fine in a week to 10 days. And on, on average, NFL players frequently miss a month or more of their season when they have a severe uh, high ankle sprain. Dr. Robert Dugas with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Patrick Mahomes. His Super Bowl 57 is uh, gearing up Sunday against Philly and Kansas City. And Dr. Dugas, I mean, Mahomes is so special with what he does with his arm talent. The extending of plays is what makes him special. And then you saw, you always knew he's a, a big-time player, but to, to your point, his toughness and his will to win really on full display against the Bengals. As you, uh, you, you kind of look to this matchup right now, is, is his rhythm and timing, if he wants to go with a quick game against a fast pass rush, uh, is this high ankle sprain gonna gonna hurt his rhythm, or is this old hat by now for him just because of how how comfortable he is with the enemy and with Andy Reid? I think it's his comfort level is such that they're coming up with a game plan to limit his exposure to that pass rush, mm-hmm. especially early on, and then as the game goes on, they'll take more risk if they need to. Um, but uh, yes, his skill. And knowledge of the game and working with the enemy and Reed are, are going to, you're going to still say he's hurt, you know, and he's he's playing, you know, hurt as well as being injured. I remember old high school coach of mine told us at that point, you, you got to know two things about playing football. You got to know what being hurt is and you got to know what being injured is because everybody plays hurt. You can't play most of the time when you're injured, but Patrick is showing us you can play when you're injured also. That's a, a great point, and that is the old question, isn't it? Are you hurt or are you injured? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, and you just look the coach in the eye and say, a little bit of both, but but keep me in, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially at this point and this time of the year in the NFL, he's not going to watch from the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Now, whenever you're talking about playing hurt, could painkillers be in play for Patrick Mahomes in some form on Sunday? Because I think back to the NFC title game with uh, with Brock Purdy. He hurts the, the throwing hand. That's really not an option. You have to be able to grip the football. Painkiller is not a great option there. Is that possible on an ankle with the quarterback? It, it would be highly unlikely um, because then he would lose a sense of some of the proprioception or the balance. Mm. That he would have now, he could you know take an acetaminophen or some ibuprofen or something called Toradol, which is a you know painkiller. There wouldn't be anything likely different than that, where you'll you'll hear him talk about in someone injuring their AC joint and they go into the locker room and they come out and the announcers say, "Well, we know what happened there. He got a little bit of that medicine put in that shoulder and it doesn't hurt anymore." You really wouldn't do any injections around the ankle to allow him to, to play without pain because 
he'd lose the ability to move the ankle and understand what cutting right and left was, which is called proprioception, which is lost if your nerve isn't working correctly. Dr. Robert Dugas with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Jock Talk Wednesday, Patrick Mahomes gearing up for the Super Bowl. Uh, Dr. Dugas, just about 30 seconds here. On a scale of 1 to 10, how badly would you grade or rate what, what Mahomes has gone through from a high ankle sprain? How severe is it from, from your experience? Uh, it's, it's surprising that um, he's able to function the way that he does. I think he shows when it really bugs him, mm-hmm. um, if it's not a timing-type deal, and he has to extend those plays a little bit. Again, it's just about his character and his will. Um, and I think pretty much anybody in that game would say, they're not coming out unless you're going to carry me off the field. And that's how he's going to get through again on Saturday, on Sunday. Dr. Robert Dugas with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Dugas, thanks for the time. Great to spend a few minutes with you. Yeah, I'm glad y'all we got together and uh, hope y'all have a good rest of the evening and um, we'll see who gets through it on Sunday. Uh, but I think think our two guys on the Philly on the Philly team I'm going to have to pull for. Absolutely. I think it's a little Nebraska love there. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Exactly. Uh-huh. Y'all have a good night. Thank you. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, reminder to get buckled up. Hands on the wheel, eyes and mind straight ahead. The driver has one job to drive. The message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Nebraska uh, driving like it's driver's ed right now to the rim. They are down by 13. Well, there's positives, though. Positive. I know. Tomanaga. Through 10 minutes, Nebraska on pace to score 30 points in the first half and 60 points overall. That's not bad for where this offense has been. On the downside, Michigan is on pace to score 100 points today. Yeah, Michigan has a habit of just smoking Nebraska. Now, uh, Tomanaga opened up with uh, two for two from three-point land. You've had Jamarcus Lawrence with some turnover issues. You've had a lid on the free throw line for Nebraska. And Michigan's been hitting about all their threes. They've done that. Uh, and then it seems like Nebraska just uh, you had uh, Wiltshire come in and drill a three, which is good. But Nebraska's missed some some jumpers, but their man their their turnover numbers right now are are not good through uh, the first ten minutes of play. Nebraska with five turnovers through the you know, they need what they had seven against Penn State. Is that right? Uh, they're shooting thirty eight percent, three for four from three point land. Williams has gotten going a little bit. They've Kind of kept Michigan in check from the uh, free throw line. They're only one for one. But Michigan Michigan has six for ten. Michigan six for ten from three. uh, Twelve seventeen, seventy one percent from the floor. And they're currently on a twenty to three run. So yeah, because Nebraska did have a lead. So for anyone turning their radio dials from Husker basketball to Hale Varsity Radio, welcome. Yes, (laughs) you should have never gone away. We warned you. 
Kind of kidding. Kind of kidding. Tomorrow on the show, we're excited, man. Going to spend time with Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity. Russ Hochstein, Super Bowl champ. He joined us when Brady retired. We'll get his take on the big game. And then two-time Super Bowl champ, uh, Russ Hochstein, uh, is going to kick us off. Uh, And then also Tom Rathman will be with us. Gary Barnett joins the show. So we're just absolutely loaded up tomorrow, Friday, as we... Keep rocking and rolling with Super Week. Should be good. Some more thoughts. Uh, we'll flip over the defensive side of the ball for Nebraska football with some of their newcomers and uh, with this roster reset. Some of the names you know, some of the names you need to know for Big Red football. And we'll figure out what happens here with Nebraska-Michigan, if it's a uh, marvelous comeback or if you should have laid the points and taken Michigan. Right now, it's uh, that 11's looking real good if you're wearing ma- maize and blue. So, plans tonight? Are you continuing your your diet? It's not going into any Aaron Rodgers territory, is it? Well, no, I was just going to say, uh, as we get nearer to Friday, we've got to start thinking of some, some new options for that steak and a beer bet. It might become a salad and a seltzer bet on Friday. Oh, we'll keep it steak and a beer. I'm not on any diet, clearly. <laughs> yeah, other than that, tonight, uh, going to... Roll back home, eat my single chicken breast with some steamed veggies. I'll enjoy not, that. Not awful. And then I'll, I'll brainstorm. Me and uh, Brandon Vogel got something in the works uh, coming down the line for Hale Varsity. So we're going to do some brainstorming Barbecue. on that. Barbecue. We'll know that about that as soon as uh, we can. Four o'clock tomorrow. Find us on Hale Varsity. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.